If you're ready to blast through, defy the odds, and be the 1%, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to The 1% Life with Johnny Dillon, where you will learn how to master your mind, elevate your sales, and live the 1% life. What's going on, rock stars? Welcome back to another episode of The 1% Life. I'm your host, peak performance coach and trainer, Joni Dillon. And today, I am so excited to bring you an absolutely incredible guest who I have been waiting to interview for so many weeks. His name is Elliot Rowe, and he's a world-famous performance coach and hypnotherapist who's worked with business leaders, Olympic medalists, UFC champions, and the world's highest-stake poker players. Welcome to the show, Elliot Rowe. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Such a pleasure to be here with you. Uh, I was telling you earlier, we have a mutual friend and business partner on your side, and I feel like I already know you, so it's such a pleasure to actually be here interviewing you today. So I'm curious, so many people have such a misconception about hypnosis. Can we just start by you really talking about demystifying the word hypnosis and um, telling, telling everyone a little bit about your perspective? What is hypnosis really? Okay, so um, I mean, the first thing people think about is uh, the media portrayal and the stage shows in Vegas, um, <laughs> which is very much not what I do. Um, so a lot of people will be thinking of swinging watches and people dancing, making fools of themselves, those sorts of things. Um, the reality is the majority of that is based on audience selection and peer pressure. So that's not really what I know as hypnosis or hypnotherapy. The work I do is much closer to guided meditation. So if any of you have used Headspace or um, meditated yourselves and you get yourself into that trance state that's very relaxed, um, basically the difference is with meditation, you look to clear your mind completely when you reach that stage and let go of thoughts. But with hypnotherapy, you look to focus on intently on one emotion or one thought blocking everything else out, and then understanding it in a way you didn't understand it before. And that's where the change happens, because you're communicating with the subconscious from that state, rather than the conscious mind. So it's nothing about control of another person. But what it is, is it's, it's the person's own journey, it's almost like self hypnosis, their own journey into what the program of their mind is telling them to do, and how we can reprogram it to be more efficient for them. Mm, beautiful explanation. Yeah, I think a lot of people, you're right, just really associate hypnosis from back in the 80s and yeah. even 90s when we had, you know, these crazy, cheesy, duck quacking people on stage. Who are, yeah, you know, it's, it's painful for me. It was so <laughs> painful for me as well, because there's so much more to it. And we've not been able to really make it mainstream enough, which I really believe that it should be because of the power of hypnosis. So before we really dive into some good stuff, I am so curious about your background, Elliot, and what led you to the world of hypnosis? So um, I had a very strange introduction. So I had a terrible fear of flying. Um, um, and uh, had turned down a number of free holidays because of long-haul flights. Um, and I ended up in a situation where I went to see a hypnotherapist um, on, you know, someone else had recommended her, and um, I was thinking, this is ridiculous, but let's see what happens. <laughs> and I did a session with her, and what she did in that session is she 
put me in this sort of trance state or this relaxed state and then started asking me questions about my fear of flying and how I was feeling and connected it back to memories. And a memory came up of me being at my grandfather's house, two or three years old, being shown a picture of a plane, a small private jet, and being told, oh, that was granddad's company's jet. It crashed and his partners died. And that was the root cause. And she reframed that memory for me. Um, I was seeing that it was just a child who'd been scared. Suddenly, from that point forward, planes had seemed horrifically scary, something that could have killed my granddad, and they're dangerous, rather than, you know, this is just a story. And she managed to turn it back into just something that happened rather than something I connected a danger to. Now, after the session, I instantly felt that there was some sort of change in the way I was viewing flying in planes, and I just didn't feel the fear anymore. And what was most interesting to me was I wasn't aware of the memory prior to the session. And then I spoke to my mom after the session. I said, look, this memory came up. Is this something that had actually happened? Was this real? And she said, oh, yeah, that was the picture of your granddad's plane. Da, 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 da. He, they died. So then I was like, okay, so an uncovered memory has come up. I feel completely different. Um, and then I was comfortable on flights moving forward. I mean, I still wasn't like... The world. It wasn't my favorite thing in the whole world, but there was nothing holding me back. I wasn't thinking about it on the holidays or the week leading up. Um, and it changed my life considerably. And then I decided that I wanted to learn this, um, really just to know what was going on. And I was thinking I would help friends and family. Um, I mean, ironically, I was doing some work in property investments at the time and I did some renewable energy stuff and things. So I was in that sort of world. And then I qualified, I started working with some golfers and they had a lot of success. And then I had a friend in the poker world and she said, <clears throat> I should start trying to work with poker players. And then it sort of went boom. And I had these guys start basically loads of people's careers turned around and like a large, like over the last few years, my clients in poker have won over $70 million. Um, I've had wow. UFC champions working with me. I've worked with Olympians, um, Wall Street traders. And I realized that, you know, this was the path for me because I could see such quick change in people and just see that these small self-sabotages, these programs they were running in their lives, when you tweak them and change them, the person's full potential comes out. And just like I, you know, I had one stupid memory holding me back from being able to travel the world. And when once resolved, I could travel the world fine. In the, with the competitors or with the business people, again, there's often this one thing that is holding them back in a way that they're sort of, it's costing them money, it's costing them performance. And then you start to adjust these things and change it and reframe it. And then their whole life changes dramatically. And it's, it's a lot of fun for me to watch from the outside and play yeah. a part of. And yeah, I can people. imagine. So that you said you change a couple of things and it's usually a really small thing inside. So let's talk about that inside a little bit. Um, talk to me about what's happening inside the mind okay. that creates so, so that and allows for that massive shift to take them to the next level. So, so the way that, that I view this, and I, I find it the easiest way of explaining it is as we're growing up, our, our minds are creating a framework to work from. So a program of who we are and how we work within the world. Now, there are emotional moments throughout our childhood or adolescence that frame that program. Um, so it may be around, let's say there's, there's issues with self-worth. Um, they might have been brought up by feeling that a parent didn't love you enough. 
or from bullying in school or something along those levels. And what can happen then is you get into adulthood, you start becoming more successful, but there's a part of you who doesn't believe you deserve success or you don't believe you deserve love or something holding you back in relationships. So in a session, um, we start looking for where these weak points are, where we can fine tune and optimize people. And then as we start regressing through the memories of where did this come from, what's happening, what do we need to reprogram, et cetera, these memories of childhood come up. So let's say it's school bullying. So we've got someone who's saying, I'm, you know, eight years old and I've been shoved over and I'm terrified and all of these big emotions around being that age and this happening. And then I'll have them look at it from the outside, from their adult perspective, and I'll ask them to describe what's happening again. And they'll say, I can see three eight-year-olds in a playground fighting. And then as you start to reframe and see it for what it really was, this wasn't a terrifying, life-defining event. This is kids fighting in a playground. So you then start to shift what that memory is. The memory's still there, it's still real, but you're viewing it from an outside, a realistic perspective, rather than the life and death perspective of the child. And once you remove the life and death emotions, there's no longer the trigger there in the background to fire when something comes up in your adult life where it's saying, this is like when we're eight and we nearly died, where the truth is you, you didn't nearly die. You were <laughs> and even if you did, it's something you didn't die because you're still alive. So we may as well let go of the emotion of it. So we drain the emotion and then the issues start to resolve themselves. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. And it's, it's interesting because it really, in my, the way I see it, it has to do with the meaning that we give things, right? At okay. a young age that often impact us all the way to adulthood. And if we simply can just reframe that meaning, do you see it the same way? Oh, completely. So you attach meaning to the way someone responded to you or the way you feel about yourself, or, you know, I'm a bad person or I'm stupid or I'm not good enough or whatever else. And even if you consciously try and work on it, the problem is it's in the subconscious. And unless you work at it at that deeper level, it's incredibly difficult to make the change. So a lot of the things people do, you know, um, you know, some of, some of the, the, the sort of the, the, the bigger events and things in some cases you can get very hyped up and people leave one of those events feeling super hyped and ready to change the world. Right. But then sometimes if they haven't hit the things in the background, it, it works for a few months, but then sometimes they notice, wait a minute, I'm going back to my old habits. And it's because that program is still there tucked in somewhere that they need to change the program to get the long-term results. And, and that's one of the ways I feel with it. Yeah, I love that. So would you mind touching a little bit on the conscious mind versus you call it the subconscious mind? I often say unconscious, unconscious mind. Yeah, that was the other one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so and the subconscious mind and how we say we consciously want something and just talk to me about what what's really the relationship there from because all these people like, you know, obviously the 1% <clears throat> all about people wanting to elevate to the next level you yourself have an incredible podcast tell me the name of it again okay so that's the a-game advantage the a-game advantage if you have not heard of the a-game advantage you need to go and subscribe back check it out. right now <laughs> that as you're listening to this uh but it's an incredible podcast where we we touch along similar lines of high performance and what it's like to get people to the next level so talk to me a little bit about what's what you believe is happening there even from already existing high performers and what's missing or what so, maybe the word isn't missing at all yeah, I, I mean, I, so I think what's happening, well, I'll start with the, the subconscious, the conscious, yeah, unconscious. I know. I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is something where I do believe we're still in the states of it is 
individual's beliefs rather than anyone having a hundred percent full understanding of this. I think over the next 20, 30 years, our understanding will grow. But the way that I see it present in clients is someone will have a good idea of what they believe they want their goals to be. But when they look back at their behavior, their behavior doesn't match up with what you would expect for some, from someone who was looking to hit those goals. So they have a conscious story that they'll tell themselves and they'll tell the people around them, you know, I want to be the most successful salesperson in the office. And then you look and say, well, are you doing the things that the most successful salesperson is doing? No. Okay. <laughs> so there's something going on. There's some subconscious thing that's stopping them from doing that. And often it's this self-sabotage, this fear of failure, fear of success, something that's causing a resistance that's holding them back from reaching that full potential. So, so let, let's say, you know, then it goes into that story I was describing of trying to resolve it in the background so that their conscious goal matches the subconscious program that they're running and the actual activities they're doing on a day-to-day basis. Um, when it gets to very high performers, I mean, we were, we were spoken about this beforehand, like I believe that this is always a journey and there's always another level. Even if you're number one in the world, that you can keep on growing and you can keep on looking to improve. And that's one of the things that's really, really interesting for me is that someone will say, well, I'm already successful. I'm already making six figures. And it's like, okay, well, that's, it's obviously that's a lot of money and that's really good. What happens if you didn't have this block in the way? Where's your life then? Where can you reach? Do you go from making six to seven to eight figures? Why can't you make eight figures if other people are making eight figures? Why is six figures good enough for you? Um, And what I'll find in these high performers is we're not looking at major issues. So most, it's not the same self-sabotage that's stopping someone from having any level of success. Mm -hmm. It's a much smaller fine tuning process where there's just something that's a little bit off. And we're looking to work through that, see the change that happens. And then I work with people on a longer basis, generally, long-term basis. And it's a continual improvement of finding these issues. Okay, what's next? Where can we improve? Where can we improve? Because we're on a journey to perfection that we're never, ever going to find. But if if you're making seven figures, the investment in working on this stuff, like if you improve yourself by 1%, by 5% or 10%, the financial return on that for somebody who's already very wealthy is just Massive. ridiculous. Yeah. 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 So one of the things that I love is that you take these already high performers. They're already performing at incredible levels com- compared to what the status quo the stand- is. Yeah, you have the standard. Right? Yeah. The status quo, the standard. And so you take someone, for example, who's number 10 in their industry, whatever it is that they do, correct? Yeah. And you'll elevate them to number, but they want to be number one. They're like, I'm 10, which for yeah. most people, they're like, that's incredible, right? Yeah. And have uh, to number one, or they're 100 in the top 100 of the industry, and they want to be in the top 10. So talk to me a little bit about that. So, so that's why I feel my sort of my greatest talent, my favorite part of my job is, is I find these people who they have the drive, but there are these, they're, they're there or thereabouts. So they're within reach. They're not a beginner. They're not even intermediate. They're advanced. They're world-class, possibly world-class, very close to world-class in whatever they're doing. And it doesn't matter what it is, but just they're sort of at that level. And then we'll say, right, okay, you're, you're a hundred in the world, roughly. What's the difference between the people who are top 10 in the world and you? What's the difference in the behaviors? Yes. I love and then 
why can't you do that yet? What feeling do you have around this? And often there'll be some things, you know, oh, I feel like I have this invisible force field that's holding me back from doing the things I need to do. I can't describe it. There's no logical sense, but there's this feeling that I just can't get myself to do these things. Or if I did this slightly better or my communication, if it's office or CEOs, I just wish my communication was different, but my emotions spike too high and I get too angry with my staff or whatever it might be. And then we just work out that list of, okay, well, clearly this is an issue, this is an issue, this is an issue. I believe this one's costing you the most money or the most damage to whatever you're looking to achieve right now. And then we, over weeks, over months, sometimes, over years, even in some cases, we're looking and working through those issues and seeing those upgrades as we go through them as those self-sabotage and those limiting beliefs start to dissolve. And typically I see um, quite, quite incredible change. As I say in you know, just multiple successes over not just one industry, but a number of industries with high performers having very similar issues. And then once they're resolved, people reaching the top, becoming world champions, becoming the most successful in their field. Yeah. In, in just lots of different areas. So much is coming up for me. I'm like, well, I want to ask this question, but I got to ask this question. So the, what you just said that there's so many similarities within yeah this caliber of a performer in any industry. So what are some of these similarities, if you, if you wouldn't mind? Um, in, in terms of the issues or in terms of this? Yeah, trend? in terms of the issues, I would say. Just that, you know, I like to call it like the two millimeter shift from getting them to where they are playing at that level to that, that next level the of absolute crushing. Um, the first thing is taking the true responsibility for doing all of the things that they know they should be doing. So even with the highest level athletes in the world, there's usually a level of dedication that is available that the number one is doing that the other people aren't, and they know they're not doing it. Right. So look at it's, Bryant, you know. Yeah, I mean, people, they, everyone knows. Like, what's the difference? You know, certain basketball players. What's the difference between him and the others? And they'll be like, oh, well, he does this, this, and this. It's like, okay why aren't you doing those things like what's the reason what it is why aren't you doing it yeah and really what will come up is i don't oh he's different to me he's a different animal i'm not i'm good enough i'm happy with the money that i have or i don't want the another big one is i don't want the attention of being number one because they're uncomfortable with it i mean i had poker players come to me who used to bust themselves in tournaments if they were getting close to a television table because they didn't want to be on TV and have people see the way they were playing because they were so uncomfortable with it. And they would be like, every time I get weirded in, you know, five people of the final table, I'm ending up busting myself in a crazy hand. And I don't know why, but it's every time it's going to be televised. And it was just a fear of the media. And people don't always like being in the public eye. And that's because of some insecurity, some fear of judgment. And they're the sort of things that I notice in these very top performers. So it's going to be something subtle like that. That's an extreme example. Totally subtle. And so you believe that with hypnosis, you can determine what that is specifically and go in to the subconscious, go into the subconscious and talk or communicate with really the subconscious mind and, and help release that. Yeah. So start work through it because your subconscious already knows where any big emotional issue is coming from in the same way that my subconscious knew that my fear of flying was coming from this issue age two. I didn't consciously know that. Um, you know, when I'm talking to people who are having these emotional issues in their workplace as a CEO of a company, a lot of the time the bullying issues come up. They don't realize consciously that this is linked to bullying. But when we start exploring it, you know, these very early, often early memories come up. 
And, you know, we're working through this emotional stuff and it's not rare for people to cry during these sessions. It's quite normal over things that you would never, ever think you'd cry about. That's the other thing. Like, it doesn't have to be some traumatic thing. It's, you know, a teacher saying you'll never amount to anything. You're no good. All it's things like that can have a massive emotional impact on the child and actually put a cap on their potential for the rest of their lives if they don't work through it. Mm, gosh, so true, so true. Yeah, so I find this a lot of my listeners, Elliot, are high ticket sales professionals, right? They, yeah. they sell really high ticket items and many entrepreneurs as well. And so, what I find is that. That oftentimes things can start going off well, right? Like every month we're at zero for, if yeah, you're an entrepreneur, your business, yeah. <laughs> you're at zero, right? Or if you're in sales, it's like you start off at the bottom. And if, for example, you start the month off strong, if what one would perceive or you would perceive yourself as strong, and then something happens, right? Something happens and we don't know what that something is, some outside stimulus perhaps, or some inside stimulus with internally that happens and we get out of flow. We get out of flow. Number one, do you notice this within your high performers? And what what is it that that you can do when you're in a funk to to break out of that to get back into flow? Okay, so <clears throat> a couple of things. Yes, that's something that comes up in almost every industry. That there are plateaus. Um, there's also in sales. I think there's pattern recognition, and there's also um, Mm, great. There's also variance. So there's a situation where things can go very well very early. You're crushing every sales call. And then just through bad luck, you get a number of bad clients in a row who just aren't interested in talking to you. So you get three or four in a row. And then suddenly you're questioning yourself rather than sticking to your process and continuing it on. And one of the things I'll have salespeople do when I've worked with them in the past is we'll use the hypnotherapy. So with the suggestion, hypnotherapy and visualization, that's different to the regression. So this is more like um, preparing yourself for a sporting event. And I'll actually treat the sales process as if you're preparing yourself for going to the Olympics, going for the battle. And I'll say, okay, I want you to imagine that yesterday you made the biggest sale of your entire career what does that feel like in your body? What did it feel like the day after you made the biggest sale of your entire career? How did it feel in your... I'm already um, there. Because, like, I'm yeah, already yeah, there. Right? Can you see it? And, and I, I want you to retain that feeling. I want you to feel in every muscle, every cell of your body. And I want you to go into this next sales call with the feeling that you made your biggest sale of your year yesterday. How does this sales call feel now? Mm. And the sales call will be completely different from if they're focusing on how the last four or five sales calls went poorly. And if you treat each one of your sales calls as if you're going into a UFC fight, as if you're, it ups your level to such an extent that you're just a level above everyone else that you're competing with because you've got that internal confidence. And that's something that can be triggered. It's something that you can actually bring those emotions up, that flow state. It's not random. It's a learned process. And I think that's probably the key difference that people have to accept. You're not randomly in flow. You're creating the the sort of the you're creating a place where the flow is a natural result of everything that you're doing to prepare yourself for the sales call. Mm, that is so huge, right there. Yes, we, to expect to just be in flow is it's it's not really realistic, right? We have what are we doing to prepare ourselves, our mind to prime ourselves really daily and throughout the day, right? Oh, completely. And and that's one of the things I will see in the high performers is, you know, I Tim Ferriss's book. Um, I think he said when he did the interviews, The Tools of the Titans, um, 
amazing, amazing. Everyone should have that on their coffee table. (laughs) (laughs) And early on in the book, you know, he's saying, what are the themes? And one of the, I think it was 80%. It may have been more had a daily meditation practice. Yes. Okay. So if you're out there and you're listening to this and you know that, and you don't have a daily meditation practice, (laughs) Yeah, you know, do you see where I'm coming from? Like, you know, you're not doing anything along those lines. Then these are the sorts of things where there are some very obvious gaps where we know what the top performers in the world are doing. We know that flow states are something that can be optimized and increased. Why not follow that and get more money out of your day, more success out of your day? Because a small amount of investment in time um, can pay off to huge financial reward differences between the salesperson who's doing that and taking the, the, fifth, the half an hour, 15 minutes to prepare might be, you know, a hundred percent increase on return at the end of the year. And, and that's how I see it. Yeah. Powerful, powerful stuff <clears throat> and model other high performers around you. Right. Yeah. So what is it that they're doing? Just like you said, if the most successful people in the world are doing this, then wouldn't it help you to just change your daily to try at least uh, give it a month right. <laughs> yeah. just even dabble in it for a yeah. moment right and see what actually can happen to you oh my goodness i i love it so can you talk to me a little bit about patterns and behavior and how to recognize if something is a pattern that is hurting performance and needs to be addressed um well so there's there's a few different bits the first thing is are you getting told it by multiple people So is there something where you've had the same feedback when you've done one-to-ones with superiors, or if you're talking to other colleagues, does the same feedback keep coming up? And in your mind, you're telling yourself, oh, this isn't a problem. That's just who I am. It's a problem. It's not just who you are. This is something that you should be looking to resolve and work on. Um, People have big blind spots in terms of their own behavior. Um, In sales, there are big personalities. That's normal. Yes. Um, as you may have noticed over your time in the industry. Um, and, it, and it's something where you need to start having a, a meaningful look at, okay, yes, I may be a big personality. I may be very confident, but where are the chinks in the armor? What behavior doesn't make sense if I want to be the most successful salesperson in the world? So start looking at the way you've spent your day, how it's scheduled, the types of calls you do, the preparations for your calls, and model what... If someone came to you and said, hey, I want to be the best salesperson in the world, what should my week look like? Write out that week, the different things they would do. You know, Are they exercising in the morning to give themselves more energy? Are they meditating? What does their diet look like? Take it down to the finest level of what would the absolutely best salesperson in the world do? How many courses a year would they go on? What sort of outside learning would they do? All of these things and say, okay, well, this is the baseline. This is what I believe would make me the most successful person I could be. How different is that from the life I'm living right now? And if there's an enormous difference between those two things, you have your, you have your behaviors that you need to be changing. And it, it sounds so basic, but it really, it really is as basic as what would you tell someone else and how far different is that from your personal behavior? Right. So really having that level of awareness of who am I being right now? Who am I being right now? And who do I need to be to get the results that I want? Would you say exactly? And I think it's almost impossible to not see that level of success if you follow this sort of pattern, because there are, there's no magic to any of these things. Um, it's consistency. It's about finding weaknesses, fine tuning those weaknesses and sort of asking for negative feedback as well. I think that's a big part of things is sort of saying, you know, what's the worst thing about me? 
and having all these horrible things said, say, okay, excellent. Now I've got the list of things I should be working on, you know, even, even to your clients, you know, what could have gone better asking them for reviews, you know, all of this information, instead of being scared of the truth, the truth is what gives you the potential to improve your career. And I, I think that's something that many people don't want to hear it. And therefore they, they hold themselves back. And that's part of the self-sabotage. Why can't they cope with it? Probably they've got some issues that stop them from being able to cope with negative responses. And that, that's where part of my work comes in. Mm, beautiful. I love it. So when it comes to sales and hypnosis, there's there's a fix, right? Like there's, there's something that I'm just trying to create the correlation. And is it with any hypnotherapist or not? Can anyone do this? Um, well, I think there's definitely, there's definitely levels. Um, so, you know, there are people who specialize in different things. Um, I do believe if you don't find... want to go to a smoking specialist. No, no exactly. Smoking cessations. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, find someone who's working on performance mm-hmm. um, and, you know, take these take these thoughts with them but to, to a hypnotherapist. I mean, I do believe a lot of this is the you working on your subconscious and anyone who can help you get there and you do trust is going to be able to have a lot of benefit for you. Um, one of the issues with hypnotherapy um, in the US and, and in most of the world as well is it's not very highly regulated. Um, there are some states where you don't need any qualifications at all. There's other states where it's a weekend course. Um, personally, I looked for the sort of the, the most comprehensive course I could find, and that was only a one-year course, and that was the most comprehensive. And I've had to do personal sessions with other respected hypnotherapists as well to make sure that I feel I'm reaching the highest level I could reach, just because it wasn't available anywhere. Um, so be aware the of caliber. What you're saying, if I'm I'm inferring, is that the caliber of hypno hypnotherapists out there is not equal. It's, it's very unequal. Um, it's very random. And unfortunately, the best way is personal recommendations um, to pick up w- with people and also look at the sort of people that they're working with. And obviously, the price that you want to play as well. You know, I'm expensive. I usually work with people who are in top 10, top 100 in the world and whatever they do. Um, obviously, that means my testimonials are Olympians and UFC champions. It, it, it's probably quite safe to say that what I'm doing is effective when these world-class people are happy to be working with me. There are going to be other people out there who maybe they're working with local business people. And you can still say, you know, these business people are willing to put their reputations on the line saying they're working with this hypnotherapist on these issues. That's probably a very good hypnotherapist. If someone's got no testimonials at all, is you're taking more of a roll of the dice with those situations, but it doesn't mean they're bad, but that's, I would base it on who says they're good. I mean, it's the safest way. (laughs) Great question. And it's hard. I I think it can be challenging for someone who really knows not a whole lot about hypnosis to to find that person unless you get a really highly reputable recommendation, in my opinion. And And you're asking someone, you know, who's, you're put into kind of a vulnerable state, right? So you need to make sure that the person that you are working with is extremely reputable, knows what they're doing, and isn't for lack of better words, running a fly-by-night operation. <laughs> you know, or a sideline to their stage stage, yeah, stage show. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you have an app, correct? Yeah. Am so, I allowed to talk about it? Oh, please do. Okay. Yeah, as, as much as possible, in fact. Okay. Um, what is it yes. called? First of all, and tell us about it, how it, how it came to be and what it 
can do. Okay. So, um, so I have a, a mindset coaching app called Primed Mind, um, which is on the App Store and Google Play. Um, you download it for free and you get a percentage of all of the audios are free. And then if you want to subscribe, you get the rest of the audios. Okay. And the sort of the reasoning behind it was the, the meditation type apps like Headspace are all about meditation and clearing your mind, but they don't necessarily set you up for anything. Whereas this is much more of the hypnotherapy, the visualization, the life coaching. So the, the audios in there will be like, start your day or prepare for your sales call or prepare for your negotiation or prepare for public speaking. So you're listening to a 10, 15 minute audio to get yourself in the zone before you do a high value task. So there's all sorts of things for different, there's a business section, there's a student section for exams, there's a general lifestyle, there's sleeping ones to help you sleep at night. Um, there's growth mindset ones, but you know, a lot of people are listening to these things for like, I want to have the most optimal day. So they start the day with something driving them forward to progress rather than just a relaxation exercise. Yeah, beautiful. I call it your power rituals. What are your power yeah. rituals? What are you doing? And I could see... I, what you are offering as being part of someone's daily power rituals. And then that's how we've seen it. So it will be like, a bit like I was saying, when it's, um, you know, they'll get up, they'll have their bulletproof coffee, they'll go for their 20 minute run. You know, there's this whole system that they're following, they're journaling. And then one of the things will be that I listen to my start my day primer, or I listen to my pre-sales primer, my confidence primer, whatever it might be for that day, to get themselves into that flow state that I was talking about, because I genuinely believe that as I say, it's, it's not a random state. It's something that you're working towards. And if you can start viewing it that way, it just becomes that way. It's like confidence. Confidence comes from inside. Nothing anything can do from the outside takes it away. You personally remove your confidence or keep it. And it's just another, another tool for trying to put yourself in that space. Yeah, that's a, th that confidence issue is something that is so prevalent with individuals who approach me for coaching, who I've seen in, in the industry that I really work closely with. It's like confidence. How do we get to that next level of confidence to where you are just totally in confidence, totally yeah. confident? And um, you're right. It's, it's something that comes from within. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can have someone like myself or yourself guiding people, helping them to understand that. But the reality is that the individual has to accept that we teach a method and help you reach that stage, but it's an ongoing process of accepting the responsibility for your own confidence. Absolutely. I love how you worded that. I love how you worded that. That's so true. And we can ebb and flow in and out of it too, if we choose to, right? So how do we, how do we maintain a, a peak state of confidence at all times when, when we need it the most, when we need to show up and bring our A game? And that's, that's what I believe is, like you were saying, the rituals. Mm -hmm. So when usually when people drop off, their rituals drop off as well. They're not doing those oh, things true. to put them in place. And if you know you have a big sales call coming up, you know, even around this, so you guys are listening, I've got the app, it's called Prime Mind. Like, you now know that's available. Listen to it before you do a sales call. If you're doing a high <laughs> ticket value thing, just yeah, go yeah, you know, it, right? <laughs> it's, it's just one of those things. It's like, okay, well, maybe in, like, what's the percentage improvement going to be in your confidence before the call? It may be huge, it may be small, but if you don't try it, there has to be a question of why would you not try something that may increase your percentage by X or Y? And, and that's the sort of, I guess that's probably the main message I want to give on all of this and not necessarily about selling my app. I prefer that, but it's yeah. really more around when you know there are tools out there you can be using, 
if you know you're not using them, start to view it as self-sabotage rather than view it as a choice. And I think, then does that make sense? It's like the difference in definition there of you're not choosing not to do it, you're sabotaging yourself and there's something going on that's stopping you. Wow. Wow. Yes. That was powerful. And I know people are going to hear this and just resonate with that. Like, wow, I know what I need to be doing and I'm not doing it. So why am I in effect sabotaging myself and what can I do to get help about that? Yeah. And and labeling it that Mm -hmm. rather than I choose not to do that because I don't think it's worthwhile. It's like, no, you've just said, you know, it's worthwhile. Therefore, it's not a choice. This is something holding you back from being the best you can be. So therefore, it's a sabotage. What happened in your life for you to not believe that you deserve to be the most successful you can be? And once you frame it that way, you become a lot more motivated to resolve that issue. <laughs> because if you frame it as a choice, it's, it's, it's a choice. It's, oh, I just don't like doing that. It's not my well, thing. Well, then it's a little empowered. Like, yeah, I'm choosing yeah. not to. Yeah, yeah. And then you're like, okay, you're choosing to sabotage. You're costing yourself and your family. Right. What is that costing you? Uh, potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars. I don't know, you know what level the listeners are at. And then if you start framing it as money lost through choosing the self-sabotage option, again, this shifts the conversation. It shifts the way you're communicating with yourself. And it becomes a problem you can't ignore rather than something that's been tucked away and is just costing you money on a daily and weekly basis. Mm, so good. Gosh, what a great conversation. Elliot, how can people get in touch with you going forward? Um, the best thing I've got a website we're, we're currently redoing. I think there's a website at though, elliotrow.com. Okay. Um, and you can reach out to me there. And also the A Game Advantage, the podcast, yes. we released tons there. So a game advantage.com. You can a, podcast. Definitely um, on my so top playlist for sure. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it it's really is. it's been a ton of it's so much fun. Like you said, with the podcasting, it's just so much fun getting these people on and asking them the question. It's really selfish. I get cool people on my show and then I get get to ask them questions. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm like, this is great. Like, we could go all day right now. Like I'm like, what are you doing for the rest of the day? I can cancel all my appointments. Let's just talk. No, it's absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for giving your time to be here today, Elliot. I know that you have blown people's minds. They are thinking of really what is it within them that they are self-sabotaging if they are and what they can do about it. And so powerful. You gave so many incredible value bombs and mind gems that they can just Thank you. and really elevate their game to get to the ne- that next level. And it's all about excellence, in my opinion. If you can show up, why not show up at your best, best form. And again, that journey never ends, right? There's always another level. There's another level. Yeah. And if you think it's ended, you're wrong. (laughs) You're wrong. (laughs) That's it. You just, you might have to do something different, but your, your journey never ends. There are wildly successful people working on themselves because it's valuable. Mm. Um, And viewing it that way is the healthy way to see it. And that's where you see the, the extreme results. And from my side, the fun stories to be involved with, other people who accept that it's just fine tuning to a bigger level, a deeper level, a deeper level, a deeper level until you see results that other people just aren't capable of reaching because they put all of these barriers in the way and you've got this sort of smooth path through. So, yeah. I love it. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a ton of fun. I really enjoyed it. So Yes. No, it was absolutely incredible. I know I'm going to get great feedback. I'm going to pass it on to you and um, hopefully we can continue to get to know each other more in the future and maybe work on some great projects going forward. So thanks again, Elliot. 
If you enjoyed today's episode of The 1% Life, please leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. And make sure to share it with your friends. We'll catch you next time.